And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stand the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stand the Fan bats around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stand the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Stan, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning <clears throat> to each and every one of you on this Saturday, the 16th of November. 2019. Boy, we are flying toward Thanksgiving. As you can see, there is no Craig Heist again. We should have a sound effect for applause, don't everyone's, you think, Ryan? <laughs> everyone's saddened by that. No, everyone's thrilled about that. <laughs> anyway, Hey, you Craig, said it, not me. Craig Heist is away uh, today on assignment out of College Park, uh, and we, uh, rather than squeeze him in for 10 or 15 minutes during the day, during the show... Uh, we'll let him just do his thing out there and uh, cover Maryland's uh, basketball game today. I forget who they're playing. They're playing Oakland, Michigan. Uh, I will look it up. Yeah, I think they're playing <laughs> Oakland, Michigan at 12 o'clock. And Oakland, Michigan, uh, not like a walkover win. I mean, I, it will not surprise me if Maryland ends up winning by 13 to 17 points in that range. But this is not a, a cakewalk. And I would assume that Oakland, Michigan uh, will have a uh, Maryland bullseye uh, squarely in their sights today. It would be a huge win for that program. But Maryland very rarely loses at home against uh, uh, non, you know, non-top-tier teams. Uh, what, at game time, twelve o'clock. Game time, twelve o'clock. Playing three and one, Oakland. Okay, and they're not bad. And again, they're in Michigan, not out in Oakland, California. Uh, this is the bat around today. Let me uh, let you know what we've got on the program today. Uh, it's a baseball talk show, but at ten fifteen, we welcome an old friend in Mickey Cucciella. Uh, you know Mickey from ninety eight Rock and all the things he's done comedically in the market. Uh, he's a comedian uh, extraordinaire. Well, he's embarking upon something new today uh, this year. Uh, he's working with the Baltimore Blast, and we're going to talk to him about just what he's doing, what his podcast will be like, where you can find it, and uh, talk a little bit about next Friday's home opener for the Baltimore Blast indoor soccer team as they try and again win another championship. At 1025, Andrew Stetka will join us. Andrew, who writes for MassInSports.com and Utah Street Report, will join us with his uh, <clears throat> insights into the Orioles. At 10.45 or thereabouts, former Orioles pitcher and the host of the on hiatus Ross Grimsley show, Ross Grimsley joins us uh, today for a few minutes of baseball talk. And then at 11.05, uh, we start off with an hour of two straight MLB.com columnist Bill Latson. Uh, who writes for MLB.com, will join us at 11.05. And then at 11.30, the one and only Richard Justice will join us from MLB.com. And again, both Latson and Justin uh, Justice um, are uh, uh, MLB.com columnists, uh, not game story, not beat reporters. They are on the baseball uh, beat for MLB.com, but no team-specific beats there. Uh, both of them do an excellent job, and we're thankful that both of them could come on. Uh, general managers' meetings were held this week, and also this was a week 
where we found out who the rookies of the year were, the managers of the year, the MVPs of the year, and the Cy Young Awards. And i got to be honest, <clears throat> I thought that the rookie of the years were extremely easy uh, in Pete Alonzo for the New York Mets and Jordan Alvarez for the Houston Astros. That was very easy. The manager of the year, I picked Mike Schilt um, as the season evolved to win the National League Award, which he did. And and while I have a great deal of appreciation for Rocco Baldelli and what he did with the Minnesota Twins, uh, taking them from a poor season in 2018 to winning their division by about nine nine games, ten games uh, this year, I, I, there's nobody I could have given that award to other than Aaron Boone with what he went through, Ryan, uh, with the Yankees, with you know not one or two or three or four injuries. It was more like 11 or 12 significant injuries. And and it was to their two superstars, Judge and Stanton. Stanton, if, yeah. if I'm correct. So, and Well, they also lost Michael Miguel Andahar for the entire season, start basically in the third game of the year, which killed my fantasy baseball team. But t- <laughs> time and again, just more and more injuries all over the place. Luke Voigt got hurt for a while. Uh, Aaron Hicks was in and out of the lineup. Deegan Gregorius, uh, which they knew Gregorius wasn't going to play the first couple months, but it's just injury after injury. It seemed like Brett Gardner was the only guy who didn't have an injury during the course of the season. Gary Sanchez missed substantial time. Cuebar uh, Torres. Se- Severino. Um, so uh, I just thought that that was a no-brainer to me that he beat the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox in that division in the American League East. And Rocco Baldelli uh, beat essentially three horrible teams in Chicago, Detroit, Kansas City, and one team that's uh, admittedly fading in the Indians. Mm-hmm. That was my thought. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to navigate through all that and to get to the ALCS and what was it, game six or seven they Famous. lost. Yep. Yep. Game seven they lost. It was just incredible job by by Boone. Yeah. Uh, Cy Young Award, I'll be honest, to me, it was a total coin flip in the American League between Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. Me personally, I thought Cole, and maybe it's because I saw him, I, I got to see him more in the postseason. Uh, and remember, the postseason, the votes are already tabulated before the postseason starts. Uh, but I thought Cole was the more dominant of the two pitchers. Um, when you have a Garrett Cole who didn't lose a single ball game from, what, like mid-May to, to the postseason or something like that, I mean, it was like 25 starts in a row. He didn't suffer a personal loss. Uh, that's pretty special. But by the same token, you, you can't take away Justin Verlander had a 0. 0.80 um, uh, whip. Uh, now, Coles, I think, was 0.86 or something like that. Their ERAs were close. Coles struck out, I think, about 30 or 40 more batters. Uh, to me, that would have been easily a tie. Uh, but So I don't have a problem with Verlander winning over Cole. In the National League, I, I must be watching a different game these days. Jacob deGrom at 11-8 and eight wins his second uh, consecutive Cy Young Award, and I understand how analytics has now devalued the win category. In other words, they they say, well, winning baseball games isn't totally 
pitcher specific, starting pitcher specific. There's a lot that goes into winning games that are out of the control. But when you have a differential of 18 to 11 and your team only lost about five or six more games, uh, they were five or six games behind the Nationals uh, in the standings, uh, to me, uh, those wins are all important. And Steven Strasburg had a lot to do with obtaining 18 wins for his team. His ERA admittedly was uh, close to a run higher than DeGrom's, but I just thought the the second half that Strasburg put together, he was one of the most dependable, consistent pitchers in all of baseball. And, and again, maybe my problem isn't so much Strasburg not beating DeGrom. I have a new respect for the analytics, but I don't understand how Scherzer – was ahead of um, Max Scherzer, was ahead of uh, Steven Strasburg. I mean, I, I really don't know. I just, look, up in Philly, that's all I care about, and Aaron Nola wasn't in it this year. I'm just looking no, forward to him being in it He wasn't close. Yeah, well, so. All right. Well, he had a, a substandard season for Nola. But, again, <laughs> what the problem with Nola is and the projections the Phillies have for him is he went backwards so much this season is he truly a number one pitcher for the long term? I, w- I wouldn't say yet. I, I think it's undetermined yet. Okay. Now, uh, the, the, uh, the position that I really had the most problem with was the MVP position and the vote in, in the MVP. Mike Trout wins, gets his third MVP. I really think that the MVP needs to be changed to the, just simply the player of the year award. Because most valuable player to me has always meant, and there have been rare exceptions, exceptions like Ernie Banks in the late 50s won back-to-back MVP awards on a last-place Chicago Cub team. But to me, the MVP needs to be somebody that played a integral part and a most val- not unsung hero, a most valuable player caliber season for a team that wins and I thought in the American League, Alex Bregman deserved that award. And I think in the National League, where Clay Bellinger won his first, and I think the Dodgers first in about eight years or something like that, nine years, uh, I thought that Anthony Rendon was going to win the award for having a consistent, marvelous season. Uh, Jim Duquette on uh, XM Radio the other day said he thought he'd finish third, and he did finish third. Yelich was second to Bellinger. But I was all wrong. Generate. My kids haven't watched television in two years. Wow. Everything's on their phone yep. or their tablet. And that's where they are. And uh, we're just going to find them and ha- having a blast doing it. Literally having a blast and figuratively yeah, yeah. with a blast. We're talking with Mickey Cucciella. Mickey, the podcast or whatever you want to call it, webcast, does it have a name? The unofficial Baltimore Blast webcast. All right, so it's a webcast. Where can people find this thing? On YouTube, and if you go to the Baltimore Blast Facebook page, you'll see the first episode up there. It's the easiest way to get to it. That sounds good. How often will you be releasing one of these? Well, we, we, we released one uh, two weeks ago. We're going to release one Monday, and as the season starts, we'll have a weekly edition of it. All right, that sounds good. When we say weekly, does that mean it'll come out on Monday or or maybe yeah Monday or Tuesday? Stan, like depending if we if we have a Friday Saturday game, it'll be Monday. If we have a Sunday game, it might not go up till Tuesday. 
Sounds good. It sounds good. How long is each uh, webcast? Uh, like 15, it, 20 it, minutes? No, actually, they're a little bit longer. The one with Keith was an hour. I mean, it was so fascinating Right. Uh, talking about the history of, of, of soccer in Baltimore. The one with Ed is going to be, uh, I think, about 35, 40 minutes, and that will probably be the average because not only are we covering the blast, which soccer in general, we'll talk about the English League, the Spanish League, the U.S. men's national team, things like that. So you're you you really know this stuff, the European and all these other leagues and everything. I'm, I I got to be honest, Dan. It's uh, the way most people are in this town with the Orioles and the Ravens. Right. I'm that way with soccer. I mean, I love the Orioles and Ravens, but yeah, I understand. But but, but so- you know- soccer is my passion. It really is. All right. Well, it sounds like a great fit. Now, the other thing I wanted to have you on to talk about is uh, the fact that uh, the Blast home opener. Uh, is this coming Friday night? Tell us who yep. they're playing, what time the game is. Are there tickets available? Tickets available. You can go to uh, you can go to uh, baltimoreblast.com for tickets. Uh, we play Friday night, seven thirty-five against you. Uh, seven. It's, I'm sorry, Stan. I'm drawing a blank on the time. I think it's six thirty-five actually, okay. or seven thirty-five. I can't remember. We'll, the we'll game switched so much. We'll look at um, it. But it's this Friday, the twenty-second. Uh, tickets. We're playing Utica FC, who uh, probably our toughest component in the league right now, toughest opponent. And uh, this is going to be a great home opener. Uh, we've added some things to the intro of the game. We're going to have a celebrity uh, drum banger. We got a big three foot drum that we're going to bang before the games. Uh, one of the things I'm most excited about is we added a gong. So if someone gets a two or five minute penalty on the opposing team. They get gonged, and uh, it, it's going to be hilarious. We're adding a lot of humor and a lot more entertainment to the sport off the field for the fan experience. By the way, the opener, according to the Blast official schedule, the opener is 7.35 against Utica FC next Friday night. Yes, uh, I was right the first time. You were right I feel the better. first time, right. But they do yeah. move the games around a little bit. I think family-wise – they found that that six and six thirty time frame is a good time for them, but they're uh, we'll we'll keep we'll keep folks uh, uh, up to date on that. Mickey, we wish you nothing but the best with this. Again, the webcast is called the unofficial Baltimore Blast webcast, right? Yes, sir. All right, it sounds great. Again, the game time is seven thirty five. Last thing, the other night, by the way. I was invited by State Senator Bobby Zirkin to the first ever Baltimore Blast Fan Fest. I expected to go there to the old uh, Hilton Hotel, which was recently uh, sold by the Mangione family. But I expected to go there and see like 50, 75 people. Uh, Senator Bobby Zirkin did an incredible job. There must have been six or 700 people there. It really was amazing. And I'll tell you, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't... uh, it wasn't an event that felt like uh, obligatory. I think right. everyone Didn't there really was or, enjoying yeah, themselves. Exactly. Uh, well, it was amazing to watch. A lot of families, you know, young fathers, mothers, yeah. and kids there. Uh, it was yeah. really very entertaining event, and uh, I think uh, Bobby Zirkin deserves an awful lot of credit. But the Baltimore Blast organization, of course, helped put it on. The players were there. Um, we're looking forward to a fun season. And a winning season again for the Baltimore Blast. We'll have. Well, you- I can tell you, I can yeah. tell you, Stan, real quick that yeah. uh, Ed Hale, the owner of the team, is one hundred percent committed 
to uh, winning on and off the field. And it just one last thing, you know, yeah. I think over the last couple years, the team uh, not was taken for granted by the town, but maybe the team took for granted its own sport. And we're really backing up towards sort of a grassroots approach to building what the blast once was in this town. And uh, we feel like we're on the right track to get it uh, back to where every game sold out and people are talking about it well, again. I've known you for a long time. We don't know each other fantastically well. I'm sure we're going to get to know each other better sure. now through your identification with the Blast. But I know that you're passionate about everything that you touch, and uh, your passion will come through on this as well. We Thanks, welcome you into the sports world, and we'll try and have you on some Saturdays uh, when appropriate. All right? I'm honored to do it, Stan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mickey. Mickey Cucciella right. of the Baltimore Blast. Uh, he's uh, the host of the unofficial Baltimore Blast webcast. And, again, uh, the first one is up on the Baltimore Blast uh, homepage uh, or Facebook page. Excuse me, Baltimore Blast Facebook page, an hour-long interview and discussion of soccer history in Baltimore with the one and only Keith Mills. And the next one coming up this week will be released probably Monday or Tuesday with uh, Blast owner Ed Hale. We thank Mickey Cucciella. We're going to turn our attention to baseball, which is the main thrust of the bat around each and every Saturday morning. Uh, and Andrew Stetka is going to join us. But before we get Andrew on, wanted to tell you that Project Game Day is back. Um Glenn Clark is going to be with you and help you react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. He's with you at halftime, and he'll have various guest hosts joining him at the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Press Box's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Box's Project Game Day is made possible by the great partners Costas Inn, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Press Box on Facebook at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. That's uh, Project Game Day tomorrow at halftime of the Ravens and Texans game and then right after the whistle blows ending the game. Joining us right now from his home out in Arizona is the one and only Andrew Stetka of MassInSports.com and the Utah Street Report. Andrew, thanks for uh, participating in today's show. Anytime, Stan. Good morning. It's good to talk to you. Uh, the general manager's meetings were just held out there. Um, no tremendous big news made by the Orioles. So what's, what's your eye on right now as you write about the Orioles? Well, it's really just kind of where, you know, what happens next with this team. I mean, there's obviously going to be, you know, continued steps in this rebuild and, I'm really kind of interested to see what holes they they try to plug via free agency. Obviously, they're not going to be big spenders, but um, yeah, there's, there's not going to be there's rough. not going to be any Anthony Rendon or no, uh, no, of course not. But there's certain spots that they're going to need to fill with with you know in certain positions, and I'm interested to see what they are, and and I'm really interested to see what kind of players they may try to move this off season um, in order to continue to get younger and continue to build more pieces through the minor league system. So I just wrote a piece that was released, and you probably didn't wake up today saying, boy, i got to read Stan's piece in the newest edition of Press Box. But I wrote a piece and wrote about four small, what I will call small free agents, one a little bit bigger than small. But uh, the four that I had 
were Kendall Graveman, Felix Hernandez, Stephen Vogt, the catcher, and Jose Iglesias, the shortstop. Now, the other night I was on the Madison Middle Atlantic Sports Report, and the Iglesias thing appears to be shot down. Uh, the Orioles apparently have come out and said some things. that they, they hear he's not the greatest guy in the clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be, you know, plenty of names floated out there. I just, I wouldn't expect for fans to, to get too excited over any of the names, you know, that, that, that get it, that go out there. It's the same as last season. I mean, they didn't go out and, and get anybody. This is still a team that wants to stay young and wants to give um, a number of the players already in the organization chances to, you know, compete on the big league club and compete for positions and, and you know, kind of see what they have. It's They're still in... in in mode rather than, you know, competing mode. So it's going to be another season of kind of figuring out what they have in-house. And, you know, the pieces that they do go out and get are not going to be splashy names and, 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 and big deals to anyone. They're just going to be, you know, filling the gaps where needed. You know, they're, they're filling the gaps where needed, but I think you and I are on the same page. There are ways and no, look, we're not trying to blow smoke uh, and turn a um, you know a chicken blank sandwich into a chicken salad sandwich, but there are ways in the midst of a rebuild that you go from 52 up 52 wins up to being a contender again, where you get incrementally better and maybe not even jump the win total that much, but make the team more competitive. And I think uh, the middle infield is one of the key areas this club needs to address and firm up. Well, sure. And I think we even saw signs last year of, you know, some players and, and, and some, you know, especially on the offensive side of, of, of the team where, you know, there's, there's potential, even if it's not for, for players that are going to be around in three, four, five years when the team is hopefully competing. Um, but even if those are guys who are, are pieces that can be moved on for, for future pieces that, that, that could be around. So it's all just kind of about roster churn and, and, and you know, keeping the, keeping the trains moving and figuring out who's going to be around and, and, and who has the potential to contribute here in the next few years. So uh, being more specific, not, I didn't say be more specific, I said being more specific uh, clearly, the club, if given their druthers, they realize that Jonathan VR is not a long-term fit in Baltimore. Uh, he's sure. going to make roughly $10 million this season. If they do, are effective, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and are able to pull off a trade for him, who do you see as somebody that could be acquired via free agency, be it an Iglesias or anyone else you know, that could play that shortstop position and allow Richie Martin what he probably needs, which is at least another year of of seasoning. Yeah, I definitely think you're 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 spot on there when assessing Richie Martin. I mean, I, I, these are there's going to be a number of players that that will compete for that kind of position in house. I don't think Richie Martin is quite one of them. Yeah. Um, but they could easily, you know, go out and 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 look for just a stopgap. Um, I, I don't think there's any question about that. You mentioned um, a player like Iglesias and 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 that thing getting shot down. But who knows? I mean, there's there there could be a number of names out there, journeyman type of players that um, you know are just looking for a one or a two year deal to to, to stopgap um, on a team like the Orioles, who they know are rebuilding. 
Um, I think we all kind of figured VR was that type of player. And yep. then he went out and had the, the year that he did and, and, you know, could really be a commodity for another team um, if they do end up deciding to move on from him. So um, that would probably be the way I would go as well, um, just trying to get value back for the players that, that have value. Um, but there's a number of players on this roster that, that, that show the value, you know, or, or at least have some value to another club that, that could be moved on. So I know you're out in Arizona and you watch as many games as possible and you probably tape some of them and watch them when convenient. Uh, at, at Toward the end of the year, I kept getting asked the question, and I'll sort of pose it to you, like, do you see any point – in trying to improve the catching status and situation. And I said, ah, you know what? We know that that's Rutschman in two and a half years, probably. Uh, and Severino and Cisco are probably good enough to get us to that point. And then I got to be honest with you, after the season, I've been, I sit and ruminate sometimes. And I, I got to say, after watching him for parts of two seasons, that Chance Cisco has not lived up nearly enough to what I needed him to be to think of him as an important bat and a guy who can handle 50 to 70 games behind the plate. Your thoughts? I I tend to agree with you, Stan, but I also very much look at that position in general as, you know, I almost look at the catcher position, especially in the American League, as the pitcher position in the National League. Um, you, you don't need a lot from the bat. You, you, you can't have a disastrous bat there, and I don't think Chance Cisco by any stretch is, is a disaster offensively, but he's not the offensive force that, you know, a Gary Sanchez or Yadier Molina in his prime, Buster Posey is obviously, but he's, he's fine, he's serviceable. The catcher position to me is more anything you get offensively from it is a bonus. It's more about managing the pitching staff and being solid defensively. And that's just a personal philosophy on my part. And it's something I think the Orioles looked at, you know, looked at it as for years, especially even, even when Matt Weirders was around and contributing some offensively, I think they, they were, they were more impressed and more, more emphasized his defensive prowess and, and the way he managed a pitching staff. And I think that that's really important for the Orioles, especially because the pitching staff has been the, you know, let's call it just the biggest problem over the last, you know, five, ten years. They really needed pitching, and I think the catcher is a big part of that. So if Chance Cisco can be okay defensively and, and provide that stopgap along with a couple of other guys, you know, Severino, Austin Wins, whoever it may be, um, I think that that's fine until – Rushman is ready to come up and, and take over the role the way that Weeders did uh, when he was coming to the minor league system. We're talking with Andrew Stetka, who writes for MassonSports.com and Utah Street Report. Uh, we are broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios, and we continue with uh, Andrew for a few more minutes. Andrew, uh, uh, the 8,000-pound the gorilla in the room or elephant in the room is the uh, starting pitching staff. Um, with, with all due respect to Alex Cobb and what we hope we keep our fingers crossed that he can come back and be what Alex Cobb was that earned the kind of contract he got from the Orioles. Suddenly, if he does that, and and I don't think it's a, an incredible long shot. I think it's, uh, he's got a 
go through some hoops and and pass different litmus tests. But I think with with Cobb, Means, and Bundy at the head of the rotation, that's a reasonable chance to win any given day that you go out and play. Uh, the other couple spots, I think we're on the same page from talking to you that um, none of the, the minor league pitchers, and although there's a great deal of promise with a lot of them, we don't think that they're ready to come up and help this year or at least the start of the season. Do you have a name or two that you're interested in? I threw out Kendall Graveman uh, as a guy that I think can be acquired rather inexpensively, and i got to put a caveat in there. I think anybody the Orioles sign needs to be a guy that if they prove right in who they signed, can be a guy that's suddenly an attractive trade chip at midseason. Yeah, there's no question. And the Orioles are definitely going to have to, you know, get someone who I, I hate using the word stopgap constantly, right. but that's kind of just yeah. all these folks are. I mean, they, they remember back at the beginning of last season, the Orioles attempted to sign pitchers like Nate Carnes to fill in, and he ended up starting a, starting a couple games. And they, I mean, they this is a team that used what was it, uh, eighteen or nineteen different starting pitchers throughout right. the year last year. So it's going to be much of the same this year. They're going to have the the two or three, uh, maybe four regular guys, and then they're going to have one or two or three kind of you know floating starting roles for people. Um, and early in the season, that probably will be um, one of these, you know, lower tier free agents. I mean, you threw out Graveman's name. There, there's a number of pitchers out there that are going to just be looking for a job. It's 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 hard these days in in Major League Baseball for a pitcher to you know find a consistent role. And there's going to be you know names out there, you know, well below the the Garrett Cole and and you know uh, tier. Um, that of guys that are just looking to to fill in as fifth and sixth starters on teams, um, the Orioles have a number of you know even relievers that they're going to just throw in there. They're going to use openers. They're going to they're going to do everything they can to just kind of fill in and get innings um, outside of Means Bundy and and like you said, hopefully Cobb um, going forward. Looking in the bullpen uh, today on MLBTradeRumors.com, they they sort of. Um... Uh, you know, write a little uh, preamble and postamble of Rockabotko's column, and they're talking about uh, the fact that Brandon Hyde kept Hunter Harvey on a strict usage limit last season, though right. they pref- preferred not to advertise the plan to opponents. As Harvey made the transition from starter reliever, he was not to be used on back-to-back days, and they slowed his usage even further when his arm wasn't recuperating as quickly as they expected. Um, your thoughts on what Harvey – now, again, seven appearances in a 142 ERA. We saw the 100-mile-an-hour pitches, uh, the dominant stuff that he has. What's your greatest hope that 2020 can be for Hunter Harvey? Give me, like, sort of an innings and, and what you think he can help this team with. Well, the the biggest hope is is just one word. I, I mean, aside from innings and statistics and everything, the one word is just health. Yeah. I mean, you just hope he can get through an entire season pitching on you know a somewhat consistent basis and and be healthy because this is a guy who has just not been for you know the first several years of of his career and 
you know, he's not a, a 19, 20, 21-year-old prospect anymore. He's 24. He's, he's starting to come into his own and, and come into his, 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 his body and, and his, his pitching arm. And we saw flashes of, you know, what could be toward the end of the year. Um, but they were still kind of handling him with kid gloves, if you will. And, and that's important to do, don't get me wrong, because of the health history. Um, but you would like to see just consistency and health out of him this season. And that would be, you know, that would obviously be ideal. You mentioned it, the 142 ERA um, in, in limited innings and, and limited appearances. Um, but he just looked so good and so fun. Um, pitching out of the back end of that bullpen, and if if they can continue to do that, um, and continue to to build his innings, I mean, you, you you know, I'm not looking for him to come out and throw 50, 60, 70 innings this year out of the bullpen. I think if you can get him, you know, uh, edging toward that 50 number, that would be yeah, great. That's exactly um, the number I have in mind this year. Yeah, yeah, but if you but 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 you still have to kind of limit it and monitor it and make sure that this guy is going to be healthy. Um, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to blow this guy out at, at 24, 25 years old. Um, that's not fair to him and it's not fair to, to the team. And I, I think it's also important to still realize that while the Orioles really want Hunter Harvey to be around for many years, um, if he turns out to be a really good bullpen arm and goes into his age 26, 27, 28 seasons, and it's, you know, if he turns out to be a trade prospect, even um, that's something that the Orioles have to to look at. You know, in another two three years, if he's good and that works out, that would be fine, and that would be that 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 would be perfectly reasonable. If he you know turns out to be a, a one of those electric bullpen arms for a team down the road, that the uh, you know that the Orioles can then flip that that would be okay. That would work out. All right, now the important question uh, before we let you go. Uh, Baltimore Ravens tomorrow, four and a half point favorites over the Texans. It's a great quarterback battle here in Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. What do you think? I am really excited to watch this, as many people are. Um, I am going to reluctantly take the Ravens minus the four and a half. I have confidence they can win the game, but the four and a half number scares me a little bit. This definitely looks like a game that could be one of those, you know, 27-23s, a a 24-20, maybe a 31-27. So I'm nervous about the number a little bit. But um, the Ravens right now, I mean, are, are just a team that, you know, I'm not going to say they seem unstoppable because we've we've seen them lose a couple of games this year in, in different scenarios. But the defense is playing well. Um, they have their tougher games this, down the stretch here are at home. They've got the Texans and 49ers at home. So that's encouraging. And I really think the Ravens should – you know, be focused on trying to get that number one seed from from the Patriots. It's oh. it's it's down the stretch here. It could be really fun, and um, it, I can I can tell you right now that if there is an AFC Championship game in Baltimore, I will be making every effort to come back for it and see that because that's something that uh, never happened before, and I think would be really exciting. All right, sounds good, Andrew. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you sometime after Thanksgiving. Appreciate it. All right, it. sounds good, Stan. Thanks All right. so much, Andrew Stetka of. MassInSports.com and also Utah Street Report. want to remind you that the battle round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Do you want to know what's going on this season in high school football throughout the state of Maryland? Tune into the Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan 
and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at both the private and public school levels every Monday at 12.30 p.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And there's lots of great events coming up in the live casino, a live event center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019, including Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Michael Bolton on Saturday, November 30th. That's two weeks from today. Saturday, November 30th, doors open at 8.30 p.m. Tickets start at $45.50. That is really a great value. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. And let me just mention a new sponsor uh, to all things Press Box. That's Pizza Blitz at Quarry Lake, just off 695 at Greenspring Avenue. They provide, um, they provided, excuse me, Brad and Nikki Bozeman with their favorite white pizza after every Ravens game at Pizza Blitz. They understand that quality ingredients make quality food. Go to pizzablitzquarrylake.com for their complete menu. One last thing before we hit the break. Ken Zalis is back, and he's fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your football fantasies anyway. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 1130 a.m. KZ helps you set your lineup for all of your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show Every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Caps season with all of the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the away Ravens games as well as the home game parties featuring Fancy Clancy Pilsner as well as game day food and drink specials. Find out about all of the parties and specials at slidersbaltimore.com sliders one of baltimore's original continuously operating bars royal farms is known for being real fresh and real fast but we're also real baltimore that's because baltimore is our home base and our home like purple and black flamingos and sunglasses or crabs and old bay our subs are real baltimore right down to the name we make them fresh, delicious, and to your order all day, every day, at a price that's easy to swallow. Royal Farms subs are another reason why Royal Farms is real fresh, real fast, real Baltimore. Want to know what's going on in high school football this season throughout the state of Maryland? Tune in to the Pressbox High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at the private and public school levels, players and teams to watch, upcoming games, and so much more. Every Monday at 12.30 p.m., watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio for the Pressbox High School Football Show. Check out Costa's in at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out costazen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football shape 
shaped container, and if it would be helpful, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half cook it, leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three cheese mac and cheese, cheddar, parmesan, and romano combined in this classic side, baked fresh in the restaurant. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you'd like your party catered by Chick-fil-A. 410-931-0031. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. This is former Trip AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. Stan the Fan back here on the Battle Round and we appreciate it. If you are watching us on Facebook Live, please like the show and share the show. Alright? We really appreciate that. It helps to build up our audience. And an audience on a podcast like this isn't Ryan always just the people that are watching or listening right now it's it's people picking it up tomorrow or tuesday say hey i missed that let me watch some of that that's why we have soundcloud and twitter and facebook and all those good old social media these days all right we're about to make our connection with ross grimsley but hey we're in the midst of a pretty special raven season and when it comes to dining out casually and affordably i know a place that's special every single season that's the costas inn at 4100 north point boulevard i might be out there tonight not only are they known all over for the great steamed crabs and crab cakes they have a couple specials you want to keep in mind monday monday night is crab cake night tuesday night is ribs night wednesday night is steak night partnered with half-priced bottles of your favorite wines and thursday night is lobster night so check out the costas inn this football season and you may come back whatever the season that's the costas inn 4100 North Point Boulevard, phone number 410-477-1975. That's uh, the Costas Inn. And again, if you do want steamed crabs, I heard the other day about a week ago they had some locals, so I don't know if they're all gone or not, but you can call them up and ask them if they have Maryland crabs or not. That's the Costas Inn. Whatever crabs you want, 410-477-1975. But you got to call up and reserve your crabs. All right. Joining us right now. He said he is currently preoccupied. He is actually moving his daughter in today. All right. So he, he mentioned was... that. He mentioned that to me. He thought he could scoot away for a few minutes. All right. I guess that's he cool. couldn't. He couldn't do that. That's he, all right. He, I mean, if you still want him, he said no, 15 more minutes. No, that's okay. We're in good, we're in good shape. We'll get through it all. By the way, um, The only managerial uh, position is still open in Major League Baseball right now is the Pittsburgh Pirates. All the other jobs have been taken. Uh, The Pittsburgh Pirates, of course, a little bit behind the others because in the midst of the managerial searches, they ended up 
deciding about a month ago that they were going to change directions with their general manager's position, a job Neil Huntington had had and uh, did a lot there uh, for about 10 years. But I think that the, uh, the, that Chris Archer trade that really backfired and saw the team trade Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now to the Tampa Bay Rays for Chris Archer may have really done in the, the whole uh, hierarchy there in, um, in Pittsburgh. They have the different general manager, and they just named Ben Charrington to that position, and I'm not sure just yet. I'll bet he's taken the general manager's position, but with a chance within two years, I would say, to be sort of the director of baseball operations, and then he would hire a general manager. That's generally the way these things go with young GMs. Uh, but that's um, that's the latest. Ben Charrington hired, accepted the job yesterday. There's talk that he's going to just sort of let the work done by the people that created the uh, pool of uh, managerial candidates um, that they may very well stick with one of those candidates that are up on the latest, um, you know, uh, thought of as the people that are up for this job. And right now, a couple of those names include Joey Cora, the 54-year-old brother of Alex Cora. He served as the club's major league third base coach and infield coach since being hired in advance of the 2017 season. Uh, Bannister... Jeff Bannister, who was Texas Rangers manager and had worked for Clint Hurdle for a number of years. Uh, there's talk that he's up for the job. Uh, Mark Kotze uh, has also interviewed for the position. And I think there's a couple other folks. Derek Shelton, the Twins bench coach, Cardinals first base coach, and one of my favorite names in sports, Stubby Clapp, uh, is uh, up for the job. Dodgers first base coach, George Lombard, Athletics bench coach Ryan Christensen and Rays bench coach Matt Quatero, uh, Quatrero. Uh, so they, they've got a pool of about eight candidates, and I would think in the next 10, 12 days they will uh, narrow that down to a single candidate. So of, of all the candidate hirings, of all the managerial hirings, who do you think is the best fit for their, for their respective team? That's a darn good question. I, I think of, and, and again, we're talking about the Cubs hiring David Ross, the Phillies hiring Joe Girardi, the Mets hiring Carlos Beltran, the Angels uh, hiring Joe Madden. Uh, who was the other one other American League team? Was the. Um, it was the Royals. The Royals. Mike Matheny. Uh, I probably think Jace, Jace Tinkler. Uh, of the Padres and Matheny are the two worst of the uh, hires up to this point. I don't think Joe Madden's going to be a gigantic difference maker there. Uh, I think his days of being that difference maker may be over. I like Joe Girardi of the of the guys. I like Girardi and Beltran. I think are very interesting choices, and I don't underestimate. Farhan Zaidi, the Giants general manager who elected to go with somebody he's very familiar with, and that's Gabe Kapler. Uh, I did not think Kapler did a good job in Philadelphia, but I don't think all the time that a manager that fails at the first job, especially when they're young, uh, should be written off that they can't manage. 
I think what you it's it's sort of that old expression. It's not whether you get knocked down or not. It's what you do once you get knocked down, how you get up, and what you do from that point on. And I just remember hearing Steve Phillips talk about three weeks ago that um, that uh, Theo Epstein uh, had once taken a Philadelphia Phillies manager who wasn't that highly thought of, Terry Francona. And that turned out pretty good after two or three seasons in Philly where he's a failed manager. Had somebody not taken a chance on him, we could be sitting here saying, that guy Terry Francona, wonder what he could have done with a second chance. So I'd say those three are my favorites, Girardi, Beltran, and Kapler. I'm I'm all for second and third and fourth chances, but I think, I don't know, if you don't prove yourself like Kapler didn't prove himself in Philadelphia, I think at least get demoted to maybe assistant coach or bench manager. Don't stay in that same role of head coach or manager in this in this case for baseball. But what do you so shifting gears now, what do you think about Buck Walter and Dusty Baker? I don't think they have been hired yet. No, correct? and they're not gonna be hired. Uh, their one chance, both of those was Philadelphia. Uh, Buck interviewed with the Angels job. When you're on the outside looking in one of the most important things you can accomplish to try and get back in is if you're not going to get the job the first year, uh, and Buck sat out all last year, so this will be his second year out of uniform, is getting the opportunity to interview because when your name's out there, then people say, hey, um, I saw you, uh, you know, like the Tigers could call up the Angels after this offseason, say, I saw – so you you interviewed Buck Showalter. How did he do in the interview? You know, being out there and being recognized as somebody that's still relevant is it's not like getting a job, but it's the next best thing to getting a job. And both Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter are uh, Dan Duquette got a little bit of interest by the Pirates, uh, but he didn't get that job. I think he's going to have a hard time getting back in as a general manager. And I think Buck's best opportunity that he could have possibly had was the Phillies job. And that became tenuous with him getting that job when the Mets passed on Girardi. I think if the Mets had taken Girardi, the Phillies would have hired Dusty Baker or Buck Showalter. Um, Andy McPhail has a long, uh, not a long history with Buck. Matt Klentak does, uh, but also... Dusty Baker had a long history with Andy McPhail back in the Cubs job 14, 15 years ago. And also, Dusty Baker is somebody quite familiar with, and I'm sure he's approved by Bryce Harper. So I think that Baker would have probably gotten that job over Buck, but I think that was nip and tuck. But again, when Girardi took that job, Girardi, I think, wisely didn't wait for the Mets to make the decision. I think he saw their indecisiveness on him and said, you know what, this job, it's better to take a, what's it, a bird in the hand than a bird in the bush. Uh, so I think that's what happened there. So do you think they're ever going to coach again, maybe hitting coach, maybe bench coach? No, I, I think that Dusty is It's it's going to be unfortunate because I think he's a terrific manager. Uh, and not a lot of uh, agendas, uh, personal agendas with him. Uh, I don't think he will manage again. And Buck, who I think is one of the best in-game managers I've, I've ever seen, 
but I don't think Buck will get another opportunity. Hmm. If it does, it could come. It won't be. I don't even think it'll be next year. I think it'll be sort of a team that's kind of ready to win, uh, you know, and all of a sudden for some reason the manager's sick or something and they got to scramble around. They don't want to go with a young guy yet. Uh, they don't think that their coaching staff is ready. Buck could be that guy, but I think it's probably likely that Buck and Dusty have managed their last major league games, although I think Buck is about four or five years younger than Dusty, might even be seven years younger. Buck might try and get the U.S. team job or something to keep his name out there. So uh, Buck uh, is not going to go gently into that good night. Uh, I think what he will do, and by the way, you can call Bill uh, Latson now, Um, but I think that Buck Showalter uh, will want to, to stay around the game of baseball, and I think this coming season he will probably end up with Girardi's MLB uh, TV job uh, and also do some stuff with the Yes Network in New York and be pretty active and be uh, out there where people get a chance to hear his thoughts. And uh, he has a lot of big-time writers uh, and I'm not saying this like they're they're in the bag for him. They greatly respect him. People like Kenny Rosenthal, Tim Kirchian, uh, these guys really like Buck Showalter, and they will champion his cause. Uh, and maybe, maybe in about two years, he'll get one last opportunity. But again, Dusty uh, Buck Showalter managed the New York Yankees, Arizona Diamondbacks, Texas Rangers, Baltimore Orioles. Uh, there aren't too many managers in baseball history, and we'll talk with Bill Latson if he can remember one, that have had five different opportunities to manage a team. Uh, m- remove Billy Martin from that because Billy probably managed the Yankees five times. Joining us now is MLB.com's columnist extraordinaire, and that's Bill Latson. Bill, how are you? Doing great, Stan. How about you? I'm great, and as I always uh, joke about it, but I know with you it's deadly serious. There's no Craig Heist here today. That is great news. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Buck Showalter, uh, my uh, producer just asked me a question. Uh, Buck Showalter and Dusty Baker, do we think they'll ever get managerial opportunities? And what, both of them have had four opportunities, right? Correct. Um, in my opinion, I don't see Dusty Baker getting another one. You know, um, he was a candidate for the Phillies' job, and uh, he didn't get the job. Buck Showalter, I think, if he's going to get another job, I think he has to change his personality. Now, I think, for me, Buck Showalter can manage any team. He's yeah, a he's great a manager. great in-game manager. There's no question yes. about it. But I think that he has to, like, uh, you know, share the duties. I mean, it seems like everywhere he's gone, He's done things his way, with the exception of the Yankees, and it's my way or the highway. So I think he has to change in that way. And then, you know, it didn't help that in his last year in Baltimore, he was really bad. So um, I I think he deserves another job. I think he's a great manager, but he's going to have to change. No question about it. We're talking with Bill Latson, and we uh, remind you that we're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. We do that every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 here. And we're also brought to you by 
Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Our guest is Bill Latson. Bill, a um, couple things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, the Cy Young Award this year, in the American League, I think you could, you're really splitting hairs between Verlander and, uh, and, and um, Garrett Cole. But in the yeah. National League, I, I guess I, I could accept again that Jacob deGrom wins the award with just 11 victories. But I, what I find really hard was that, that Steven Strasburg wasn't even in the top three candidates or in the vote total, I just don't understand that. Am I wrong or am I right? Well, I think it's safe to say Strasburg had his best year as a national. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. But I think um, I, I think most people are looking at what he did in the postseason, which was excellent. He had an excellent year during the uh, regular season. But I think what people are looking at is, you know, with Jacob deGrom, who just won 21 games in the last two years. Right. I, mean, I, th- I think it shows now you don't have to win a lot of games. I think everything else in every other category, strikeouts, you know, uh, among others, that's more important now, ERA. And uh, I think that's why he won. I mean, um, but here, you know, here's he, got, my, here's he my got off point to a slow start, but then dominated the rest of the way. Here's my point, though, and again, I, I sort of acknowledge I'm a bit of a dinosaur with the win total. So I'm, I'm going to say I accept Jacob DeGrom as the Cy Young Award winner. But mm-hmm. Strasburg, and you probably know better than I do how they, how they release that thing that here are the three finalists. But how does Scherzer last year who pitched from from July 1st on, he only pitched 50 innings. Steven Strasburg pitched 100 innings. Uh, Scherzer's ERA over the last uh, 50 uh, 50 innings was 4.14. Strasburg's was 2.70. And that's what I'm talking about when I say am I right or wrong. Didn't Strasburg deserve to be the guy in the mix for the award with Rayu and DeGrom? Oh, yeah, I, I believe that. But yeah. I think with, with uh, if you look at uh, Scherzer, he uh, – look at the strikeout total. I, I think know, people are looking at stri- that, too. He had a big I strikeout mean, total. Yeah, I mean, the guy still had 243 strikeouts. It's a Scherzer now. and But uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, I didn't have a problem with it. I really didn't. Um, the, the one that shocked me was the MVP. That shocked me. So let's the nationally MVP. Let's talk about the MVP award. Are you in favor if I came out tomorrow and said that the commissioner would like to change the name of the award to the Player of the Year? Would you have a problem? I think it more accurately defines how they're voting on this thing than the, the most valuable. You know what? If I were old school. Yes, I would have a problem with it because I'm so used to MVP. Yeah, but I mean, but best, uh, but uh, player of the year. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I really wouldn't. And uh, because let's be honest, Bill, isn't that what in the American League, especially? Look, I love Mike Trout. He's probably the best, still the best player in baseball, but most valuable to a team that finished. You know, he didn't play the last forty games and his team finished 25 games out of first place, 
How valuable are you? Yeah, but you know what though? I mean, he doesn't let the team bring him down. I mean, I think I think that's the key there. Yeah, that's good. At, point. At, at, at every time, you know, uh, you think it's going to be a bad year for Trout, he always comes. He comes through in the clutch. I really like the way he uh, played defensively too. You, you can't take that away from him too. No, I mean, the guy inc- is really inc- good. He's an incredible player. You know, no question yes. about it. Now, in the National League, I found it interesting. Uh, look, I'm listening the other day to Jim Duquette, like on Wednesday, and they were uh, giving their thoughts on who was going to finish where, and he accurately predicted Rendon would finish third, and I thought he was full of hot air. I thought Rendon was going to win the award, and I know it's it's an oddity, but how important was Christian Yelich when his team went 18-2 and two without him? <laughs> yes, yes. Um but he, again, he was having um, again another great year before he uh, fractured his kneecap. Yeah, had he but, not but, but, had he not been injured, he would have won the award. No question. Yes, I believe that. All right. Um, the one the, I was shocked Rendon didn't win because if you go by old school numbers, he should have won. You know, yeah. RBIs, doubles, and all that. He should have won. And he and he's an excellent third baseman. Excellent. But excellent. but obviously, you know, the first what, uh, five months of the season or six months, it, you know, that's where Cody Bellinger really dominated. It didn't matter during the second half, especially September, that he slumped and he won the award. I mean, I was surprised that Rendon finished as low as he did. But I think, uh, you know, the, you know, I just think that uh, they were, you based it on the full season and that's how Bellinger won. Uh, the Rookie of the Year award, I, I was the only one I nailed. I got both of those. They were, to me, incredibly easy. How oh, long yeah. has it been since we've had two rookies put up those kind of numbers? And, again, Alvarez's are, you know, sort of skewed because he only played a little bit over a half a season. Uh, mm-hmm. But those were pretty remarkable numbers by Peter Alonzo of the Mets and Jordan Alvarez. Well, well. First of all, uh, P. P. Alonso, that was a no-brainer. Yeah, um, he, he should have won. I mean, you know, with fifty homers, lead the league in your rookie season in home runs, uh, and then he wasn't that bad defensively. I saw a lot of his games this year. Um, to me, that was a no-brainer. It really was. Um, the uh, Alvarez, to me, what what really, and I voted on that one. I voted, uh, you know, Udon Alvarez without question because this was a guy who was, wasn't even mentioned during spring training as a guy who's going to help their t- to help the Astros. I mean, if you remember, it was uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. all year, all throughout the season. He's going to win Rookie of the Year. So um, I think what uh, Alvarez did was outstanding in a half a year. And it's not just the home runs. He drove in a lot of runs. His war was like in the top four on Houston's team. Yeah. So, I, to me, that was a no-brainer. His, o- his OPS was nearly 1,100. Yes. Yeah. And, and listen, also remember, even though he played half a year, he's not the first to do that. Willie McCovey played half a season and still won Rookie of the Year. So, this is not a precedent. So, um, it, it's, it's great to see him win. I'm glad he won. We're talking with Bill Latson of MLB.com. He's been kind enough to join us today. Uh, 
Bill, I, I know you're a Yankee fan in your heart, but I got one other problem in the MVP. Um, again, I probably thought Trout would win it. I thought Bergman deserved Bregman deserved it, but I thought mm-hmm. the guy that really got the short shrift. And this is taking nothing away from Marcus Simeon, who may become a great player. But I thought DJ Lemayu really got shafted by not being in the top three. Well, I know why you feel that way, because this is a guy who played a lot of positions, first, second, third. And uh, he did a great job at all three positions. And he, and he was really the team leader when it came to offense. He really was that good. Leading yep. off, he, he, he hit anywhere in the lineup. And uh, without question, he was the most valuable player. Yeah. But I could have honestly, Bill, I got to be honest with you. Bregman was my choice. But if you had said to me, you know what? They're, they're giving the award to G.J. LeMayu. I couldn't have argued with that. No. But uh, I just, uh, I, you know, I also think like maybe uh, a second half slump and a little bit of some injuries here and there with him. That could have hurt him, and uh, you know, and, you know he's you know it's it's funny he plays in New York, but I don't think a lot of people know really realize what he did for that team. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I, I think it was a matter of publicity, and uh, you, you know the Yankee the Yankee announcers like Michael K. They always talked about him, but I mean that's not enough. I mean yeah. you got to have everyone look at him, and uh, you know, and that's about it. Um, I wanted to ask you, the other day I was reading about uh, Rayu, the, the pitcher with the Dodgers, who uh, was, right. not, was not given a qualifying offer this year because he took it last year, and you can't be given the qualifier two years in a row. Uh, I read where he said he's looking for a three- to four-year contract. You live in New York City. Uh, you know that they can afford them. They were probably paying uh, Sabathia about 11 10 or 11 last year. Isn't he a great fit there for, say, four years at, at $70 million, something like that, in New York with the Yankees? I, I don't know. You see, I don't know. I think the big question here, you know what, um, Stan, in order to play here, I think you have to mentally play play in New York and not, you know, be upset by the fans when they boo and all that. Right. So, um I think it's more than just knowing that this guy's a good pitcher. Can he handle the pressure? Now, I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, so obviously the Yankees have to do their homework. And, you know, and that's why if you look at what they went through in the uh, 90s, they didn't, every, if you remember um, when they were a dynasty, I mean, and when a, a, when a famous pitcher or hitter was a free agent, they never, they never went out and signed that great player. Yeah, because uh, because it was more than just playing in New York. It's can you handle it mentally? I remember Albert Bell was a free agent, and they had a chance to sign him, but they said no. Why deal with the with all the mess that he goes through? And you know they kept Bernie Williams, if you remember. So um, I, I I totally it's more than just the pitching. So let me ask you a question: New York. Who was the? Uh, I think he was Japanese. But there was a pitcher that a real good right-handed starting pitcher who who was with the Dodgers, and then he went to the Yankees, and he was terrific for about three or four years. Uh, 
Got him. Oh, thank you. I, I, no, I mean, I, no, I don't think he was a, uh, wait a minute, uh, I, I don't remember. He was an older Sorry. guy. He was an older guy, and he retired. He, he went back to Japan for one or two years. I can't think of his name. Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's a name like Kenta Maeda, but it's not Kenta Maeda who's no, with the Dodgers. No. Anyway, um, so who is a good fit for the New York Yankees? Is Garrett Cole a good fit? Yeah, I mean he's a good fit, but but again, Stan, you know, again he he, he keeps talking about going back to California. So the, that's the question. Now the Yankees drafted him years ago. He didn't sign. He knows Brian Cashman. So um, I think it, it depends. I mean, I think Garrett Cole keeps saying he wants to go to California. So let's see what happens. I mean, they have the money, but, uh, you know, you don't know if that's enough. We're talking with Bill Latson, and I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm going over the Yankee roster so I can find this picture, and I've hit upon something I've never hit upon. This guy would have been with the team like in 2000. Nine or ten, God, that's driving me nuts. Um, let's look at the Washington Nationals for a split second. Uh, they've got the chance to sign two players, lose both players, or sign one and lose one. It's Rendon and Strasburg I'm talking about. How do you think mm-hmm. that's going to ultimately play out? Well, with Strasburg, I said all along that I think uh, I'd be surprised if Strasburg left because uh, a year ago this time, he moved to D.C. full-time. He, he was no longer living in San Diego. So I'd be surprised if he left. I think he's going to stay. I really believe that. Rendon, on the other hand, you know, I'm sure, you know, after what he did in the postseason, especially and during the regular season, He's going to ask for a lot of money. And are you going to give him more money than Bryce Harper? I don't know if the Nationals can do that. If you if they do have a deal like that, you know, um, you're going to have to deal with deferred payments. That's the way the Nationals do things. And uh, how long do you pay him after he retires? So I, I think it depends. I wonder if Scott Boris would allow that. He allowed that with Jason Worth. He allowed that with... Uh, Scott Boris, I mean, um, uh, Scherzer. So um, I, I don't know. It, it depends. Um, you know, I say with uh, Rendon, it's 50-50 stays. All right. Um, were you surprised that the Atlanta Braves struck so quickly in signing Will Smith? And what does that say about them being in the market uh, for a high-end starting pitcher as well in free agency because I don't think you spend $40 million on a closer and then not improve your starting pitching. Well, their main problem uh, was, was the bullpen. I mean, that's why, you know, um, except for their last game against St. Louis, I mean, their problem was the bullpen, was finding a closer. And they really didn't have one. So um, I can understand why they did what they did. You know, they, they pounced. And uh, I think it was a great move by them. I think it improves their bullpen tremendously. Um, as far as getting a starter, I, you know, again, um, it depends. I mean, are they willing to spend a lot of money? Can they get a Garrett Cole? Probably not. But uh, we got to wait and see what happens. Bill Latson is our guest right now. Bill, um, 
your thoughts on the Pittsburgh Pirates zeroing in on ultimately Ben Charrington uh, as their new general manager, and I think they're calling him general manager. Is this the type of deal where they said, we're going to make you general manager now in two, three years, we'll make you director of baseball operations and let you yeah, hire I, a yeah. GM? I, first, I think it's a great move. Um, the guy won a championship in Boston in 2013. Really, he wasn't given a shot to prove the Red Sox. You know, after that, you know, they finished in last the next year, and then they felt it was time for him to go. I, I just felt it that he's getting, I'm glad he's getting another chance. And, uh, you know, let's hope that uh, he improves their farm system and get better players because the last two years, or three years, it's been a disaster. I mean, players not getting along. It's not just what was going on on the field, but it was off the field as well. So um, hopefully they can get better personalities there, and uh, and things will be different. You have a thought as to who Ben Charrington, apparently he's initially said, hey, I think the, the group that put together, compiled this list of potential managers has done a good job. I don't see the point in starting all over. You have a thought as to who might get that Pirates job with him as the, uh, as the guy? No, I, I don't have a thought. I'm not on the inside with that team. But, uh, you know, I like to see uh, Joey Cora get a shot. I mean, he's been in this, uh, in this field for a long time. He's been a third-base coach. He's been a bench coach. I can see him uh, get a shot. I I have a feeling that's who might get the job, but there is apparently a relationship between Charrington and Mark Kotze as well. Yeah, and, you know, you just never know. So we'll see what happens. They're starting new, and whoever gets it, you got to give them a chance. All right. By the way, I finally figured out who that pitcher was. It was Hiroki Kuroda. Okay. Uh, yeah, and he was, and yeah, I was he sort was of comparing him to Ray Yu in terms of having been in L.A. and then handled New York pretty well. Um, but you don't think Ray Yu's a good fit, necessarily. Well, I didn't say that. I just, I, you know, like, you know, the Yankees have to ask the questions. Right. Like, um, you know, can you handle New York? I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. You know, when Greg Max became a free agent after he left the Cubs. Right. G. Michael wanted Greg Max. He wanted, and because G. Maddox, I mean uh, G. Michael managed Maddox his rookie year. That's right. He was but the Cubs the, manager. That's but, right. Right. But the thing is that Maddox didn't want to deal with dressing up every day. He wanted to go play golf, wear jeans. Right. He did that with the Atlanta Braves. Yep. So I mean, so Maddox basically said, you know, I'd rather play in Atlanta than play in New York. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I think it takes a special Yankee, you know, um, to play in New York. Paul O'Neill was another one. I mean, I thought Paul O'Neill was going to get destroyed. You know, the way he acted in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Couldn't hit a lefty to save his life. But what happened? He became a Hall of Fame Yankee, and deservedly so. So, I think it depends. All right. Bill Latson, many thanks. Uh, can we get you on again? You want to do this again next week? Yes, definitely. With or without heist? Uh, without, if possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's my preference, too. Hey, thanks yeah. Thanks for joining us again. Always a pleasure to talk to you. 
Anytime, man. Take All right. care. Bill Watson, good friend. And we're united in our uh, distaste for Mr. Craig I, I think we all are. For you that you think so? I think yeah. we all are, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he belongs on the show at all anymore, now that I think about Again, it. Again, your words, not mine. Craig, I love you, bud. All right. Spoken like a, st- a true spineless jellyfish. <laughs> all right. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill just steps from Camden Yards. It's the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Cap season with all the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, and Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more. With different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the Away Ravens games as well as the home game parties featuring fancy clancy beer as well as game day food and drink specials. Find out about all of the parties and specials at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original continuously operating bars, and we're very appreciative of their sponsorship of the show. Got to tell you about... The fact that lots of great events are coming up in the live event center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019. We're going to update our list next week, but right now we're focusing on Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Michael Bolton on Saturday, November 30th. Doors open at 8.30 p.m. Tickets start at just $45.50. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. That's livecasinohotel.com. And again, that show is coming up on November 30th. And the latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Greg Swatek dives into the 100th edition of a Baltimore tradition, the annual Turkey Bowl game between Loyola and Calvert Hall. Plus, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens linebacker Josh Bynes, who returned midway through the year after being entirely out of football and has immediately helped fortify the defense. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Back with Richard Justice in just a few minutes. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasIn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. KZ, Kenzales here. I'm back, and I am fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your fantasy football fantasies, anyway. I'm with you for the PressBox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. to help you set your lineups for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the PressBox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Caps season with all of the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the away Ravens games as well as the home game parties featuring Fancy Clancy Pilsner as well as game day food and drink specials. Find out about all of 
the parties and specials at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original continuously operating bars. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Greg Swatek dives into the 100th edition of a Baltimore tradition, the annual Turkey Bowl game between Loyola and Calvert Hall. Plus, Bo Smoka profiles Ravens linebacker Josh Bynes, who returned midway through the season after being entirely out of football and immediately helped fortify the Ravens' defense. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. And we are back on the uh, bat around on this Saturday morning. We're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios. By the way, I'm just holding up my hard copy is that on camera? Okay, uh, reasonably. There you go. Okay, there. I don't think your mic was on. Oh, it wasn't. Thank yeah, you, Stan. There you go. Uh, it's okay now. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's in good it's spot. Good. Mm-hmm. That's our hundred block pool for hundred block charity pool. This is our tenth year operating this. It was a uh, an idea I originally had, and I originally had the idea of doing this at a thousand dollars a block which would be 100 blocks, it would be $100,000, okay? Uh, I think this is a really good way for businesses to jump in and support charities in the, in the local marketplace. No, no question. So we charge $175 per block. We also have a sponsor that chips in. Uh, the Chesapeake Urology folks have backed this for the last five years, maybe six but we've got 100 blocks to sell. I don't usually pitch this on, on air to people to buy individual blocks. Um, not that people can't. I buy an individual block. Our office manager buys an individual block. We have a few friends and sponsors who buy personal blocks. And when I say you buy the block, you pay the $175, and then you... You get a block that I pick out randomly, you know, when I just throw your name in here, and then you get to play for a charity. And when we collect all the money and we have a big party that we do it, when we collect all the money, we've got $12,000 left to give to local causes. And each quarter, whoever matches up the numbers, and we pick the numbers, 10 across, 10 across and 10 down. Did I get that right? 10 down, 10 across. We pick the numbers randomly out of a group of ping pong balls. We pull them. We call all the people up that bought blocks, and they pick one, and you get a number. And that's the number that if your team, your block matches the last two digits, you end up winning. And by the way, I didn't explain that great. 
this will be up top. The NFC team will be on the top, and the AFC team will be on the side. And each block has a number attached to it. So if it's if you get zero and zero, um, and the score at the end of the first quarter is ten to nothing, the person who has zero and zero wins. All right. I hope I explained that well. Anyway, if anybody is interested on that, go to my Facebook page and send me an, a message, a personal message, and I will uh, respond to you and explain how you can buy that block, okay? We'd love to sell that out. Uh, we always do sell it out, but uh, we'd love to sell it out with the help of 10, 15, 18 individuals that would, would purchase a block. Anyway, uh, this show has flown along. Our next guest is on the line with us, and he's an old friend from his days at the Baltimore Sun and the Washington Post. He's been with MLB.com for a number of years. He is Richard Justice. And, Richard, how long have you been with MLB.com now? Has it been a decade? Uh, Eight years. Eight years, okay. Is it, in some ways, the most enjoyable job you've had because you've you've got the whole sport that you're able to cover? Um, I, you know, I've been, I've been lucky. I love my job at the Houston Chronicle. I love my job at the Washington Post. I've been really lucky. You didn't like it at the Baltimore Sun? Very much. I'm loved just it. kidding. Loved working for Marty Kaiser and Jim I'm just Houck. kidding. I'm just kidding. And you got to work toe-to-toe with uh, Peter Schmuck, didn't you? Uh, no, I don't. Th- I think he came after I left, but, uh, we've since enjoyed each other's company many days. All right. Hey, um... Want to want to spin the dial with you around the world of uh, MLB.com right now? What do you make of uh, the investigation going on right now into the cheating allegations, the stealing signs allegations against the Astros? Is it much ado about nothing, or is this serious? It's really serious. The commissioner had warned teams that uh, after the incident with the Red Sox that. Um, it, it, the next punishment was going to be worse. He's going to make an example out of somebody. And if your defense is, others are doing it too, that's not good enough. So I think he's going to come down really hard. I think it's going to be substantial fine, draft picks, and probably a suspension or two. Wow. A suspension or two of people in the front office? I, I don't know. I, okay. I don't know. He's in a... Players are being interviewed, uh, coaches are being interviewed, managers are being interviewed, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Either say, uh, I warned you guys Mm -hmm. that the next time I I was going to tolerate it, or just say, eh, we don't care. You know, the Nationals were ready for it in the World Series. I don't know if you noticed, but there were times. Well, one thing, I don't know if you noticed, Fox TV didn't show the catcher dropping the signs, I don't think at all. And uh, the other part of it is you saw at times the national signs were so complicated that you saw pitchers looking in their hats where there was a different decoding mechanism. Um, And and I think another part is it just slows down the game. In 2017, when the Astros were playing the Yankee Stadium in the postseason, Brian McCann was just basically walking the signals to the mound multiple times Uh a game. And that's why we were left with. That's why we got the uh, the pitch uh, uh, the, the mound visit limit. And I, Justin Verlander pitched at Yankee Stadium. I think it was this season. And you can't see the catcher dropping signs. There was some other way they were using to to signal. 
Um, and um, I'd heard for a while about the banging of the trash can uh-huh. and all of that. So I, I don't know where it goes. I mean, do you feel do you feel they should just hey do whatever you want or should it be stopped? I I think that there's a reason. I, I think again when you get. It's one thing to steal a sign, a guy's on second base, and he relays something to the hitter. But when you have cameras dedicated that allow you to pick up the sign patterns and then you relay them some other way, I think that's gotten a little too crazy for me. Hey, Stan, I heard uh, two two stories about that. Yeah. Once a guy at second was relaying signs, and Roger Clemens stepped off the mound and took a step toward the guy. <laughs> and... I think people in the infield thought he was going to throw a ball at the guy, and he just looked at the guy as if to say, you know, you're going to probably hit again in this game. Right. So go ahead. Have your way. The other thing is (laughs) Kirk Gibson, when he was managing the Diamondbacks, got so upset about some team using a camera to steal that he had the camera. He had shoe polish put over the camera. Somebody came into his office and goes, Hey man, what was that about? That's our TV camera. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good. That's a good one. That is a good one. We're talking to Richard Justice, who writes for MLB.com. Richard, the other day I saw something uh, that that struck me as really odd at first, and then I wrapped my arms around it a little bit. We're going to have dual DLs for for position players slash batters and pitchers. It looks like the pitchers are going back to 15-day DLs, and the batters right. will continue on 10-day DLs. What's the r- rationale behind that? Because teams were manipulating. Um, teams were just using the 10-day the injured list on pitchers just to basically give a pitcher rest or maneuver around to have an extra pitcher on your roster. And um, I think they just – you know, I – my friend Austin Pruitt, who pitches for the Rays, right? Uh, he was up eleven times this year, and I said to somebody with the union, I said, "That's ridiculous." And he said, "Yeah, would you rather having pitching at Durham the whole year? Because that's the other option." Right. So I, I, there's different ways to look at it. I, I remember when the Orioles turned a corner in 2012. Basically, Buck would call after a game, call down to Ron Johnson. That, where was he? Where, what was their Triple A team at that, t- that it time. It was probably um, it was it was Tidewater. It was Tidewater. Yeah, well, it was that one or the Double A team, and just go. Right. I can't remember where Ronnie was managing, and just say, "What do you got for me? I need this and this." And the Orioles that summer basically used a forty-man roster up and down, up and down. And while I could say, like Stan, when I lived in Baltimore, remember the the option rule was I think three times in your career or something it, it, was right, dramatically exactly, right. different, right? And um, and I got to thinking that's not fair. But if you get one day in the big leagues, you get one chance to pitch in the big leagues. And even like Austin was up 11 times with the Rays. Um, those were 11 times he got to spend in the big leagues and, uh, and, and get a chance to pitch in the big leagues and pitch some big games in a pennant race. So I, I, the, I've come around on it like that's fair. You're getting, the more, every day you get in the big leagues is an opportunity to prove yourself. And even though it's annoying that you're leaving your wife and and child back in back in Durham, and it, it's a hassle and all of that, right? It's it's a chance. It's a chance, and probably over eleven times up, 
probably made maybe a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars more than he would have. That's made. exactly right. Yeah. And I, I assume he got a, a full playoff share. I don't know, but there was one time he pitched a really good game in uh, September. I mean, really good, like six shutout innings or something. <laughs> and they told him, uh, "Manager wants to see you," and he was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> And he said, no, you know, because rosters had expanded. He goes, he goes, no, no, I just wanted to tell you you did a good job, and this is when we're going to use you again, blah, blah, blah. He just assumed that the manager wants to see me. I'm headed back to Durham. Yep, that's that's the way, that's the way it's going these days. Um, I was just reading MLBTradeRumors.com this morning, and I don't know how well you know Mark Trumbo or not, but uh, it was a little bit of a, a write-up about what he's facing right now. He's 34 years old. Do you expect he'll play this coming season? It would seem to me, if he's physically able, why would he walk away at 34? Well, is he a free agent? He's a free agent, yeah. He finished up his three-year yeah, deal with he, the Orioles. So his career earnings are got to be around $60 million, something like that. Um, I, I, You know, I like I mean, I know Mark, but I don't know Mark. You know, I don't know what how he's feeling about it. He didn't have a good year. Um, is there something they can somebody can do for him? I, generally, as you know, Stan, the smart guys play until they cut the uniform off of them. Yep. And uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, what, was he hurt the whole year? He he had a the last six or eight weeks of the eighteen season. He had a bad knee injury that he couldn't get past, and he ended up missing about the last three weeks or four weeks of that season. They operated on it, and it was a it was the same surgery I think that Dustin Pedroia had, and it's oh. clear that it's a very difficult surgery to fully come back on. I was at spring training last year, uh, and by the way, he's made fifty nine million dollars through his, through okay. this past season. Uh, and they were talking like March 20th. Uh, well, it looks like he's going to be back up in time for opening day. And then opening day drifted to another two weeks. And he didn't come up until like maybe September. July after the deadline. I mean, August. Yeah. Well, I know here Jose Altuve was ready to go on opening day with a similar surgery. And he played in the playoffs with a broken kneecap. And, uh, and he uh, came back and then ended up having to go back on the injured list. He he went on the injured list with a, a pull hamstring, and when the hamstring was healed, his uh, the, the knee just was not strong enough. And he came back, and after he came back, he had like three fifty the rest of the way. I mean, right. he was as great as usual. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see if Dustin Pedroia. If the word is from uh, Chaim Bloom is that he's probably going to try and come back again this year uh, after probably a lot of lot more rehab and we'll see if he can uh you know uh is able to to uh maintain physical uh conditioning enough to play and and be ready to play a full season it's going to be difficult you know what I, I i um i sure appreciate that because i love that guy and i think he's good for the game and it was always hard for me to imagine the red sox clubhouse without pedroia and david ortiz in there so like hey Play as long as you can. Yeah. They'll tell you when your time is up. Like, I've seen it with Hunter Pence. I mean, he signed a minor league contract with the Rangers last year just because, and I think Roger Clemens always, Roger Clemens, I would always say, the only thing I ever failed at was retirement. It's like, <laughs> I understand that even on a Thursday afternoon, 
with 8,000 people in Kansas City, it's still the greatest thing I will ever do in my life, and I'm going to do it as long as they let me do it. Richard Justice, our guest. Richard, a couple other guys, uh, older guys. Uh, Adam Jones, uh, what do you think's in store for the once great Baltimore Oriole player? Uh, I think he'll be. I think he'll play somewhere. And think, could it be I San Diego? Do you think Machado really goes to bat for him? Is there a need in San Diego, which is also his hometown? Uh, I, but he lives in Baltimore now, right? Um, no, he's in. I think he's in Arizona. Arizona, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I, oh, I thought he. I thought he had moved his, his year round home to Baltimore. No, he bought. Um, it was a little confusing. He bought Cal Ripken's mansion, but he really right. bought it when he thought he was still going to be in Baltimore, sort of for another family oh. house. But quickly, when he didn't sign with the Orioles. Uh, they showed no interest in him. He got. He also sold that house. Wow, yes. that house has been yep. sold a couple of times. Yep. Yep. Um, he'll play somewhere. Okay, and I think the the influence he had on those young guys in Arizona this year kind of reproved that there is such a thing as clubhouse uh, presence and chemistry and, and all of that. I, I I don't know. It'll probably be January or February, but. He's a guy you want on your team. Right? Yeah. To me, like he's one of the best in terms of leadership in the room. He's one of the best I've ever been around. Yeah, he's he's pretty darn good. Um, the San Diego Padres ended up they paid Manny Machado what three hundred million dollars, and then right. after one season, they went out and got two of his coaches. Uh, Bobby Dickerson signed a three year deal to be the bench coach there, and they brought in Wayne Kirby as well. Um, your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I love Wayne. I love I'm, Wayne too. Everybody happy, loves Wayne. <laughs> I'm happy for Wayne. Yeah. Uh, I don't know Bobby, but, uh, maybe I do. I don't know, but, um, you know, I don't know how, what one has to do with the other. The idea is to put the guy and make the guy as comfortable as possible. Right. And I think they're going to try to get, they're going to play hard in the free agent pitching market. It's just, you know, it's it, there's a lot of focus on Manny. I don't know if Manny wanted to be that guy. You know, when you get all that money, you're supposed to be the guy that's sort of the face of the franchise and speaks for the team. Like Bryce Harper's perfectly comfortable doing that. Right. Anthony Rendon is not. Right. And every guy is different. And Manny was not comfortable doing that, like holding court with the media every day. That's just not who he was. Right. Derek Jeter was. Um, In Baltimore, Eddie Murray wasn't comfortable doing that. You know, Eddie no. was much more being a soldier rather than being the front guy, you know. Right, he just hit. Yeah. He hated. I've never been around a guy that hated talking about himself as much as Eddie did. Yeah. And like, even stories would be written that were very complimentary, and he would just go, "It was Eddie this, Eddie that, Eddie this," and <laughs> yeah, that was the idea, buddy. Yep, that's right. He was Eddie Murray. <laughs> but, uh, what a great player! Oh my god! So, you know, so jumping into the free agents this this off season. Uh, the top names, first of all, were you surprised Atlanta moved that preemptively and took care of their closer situation? And does that um, sort of imply strongly that they're now going to go get one of these big starting pitchers as well? Yeah, it, it absolutely does that. And they're going to be all over Zach Wheeler and Atlanta native, but I, you hear that he wants to stay in New York. I'm not surprised they struck fast. I'm surprised that Will Smith... The one thing, the lesson of the last two free agent markets is 
when you get a November offer, look at it real closely because there may not be more money right. in December or January. You know, the, the thinking in years past have been, well, that's November. I mean, there will be twice as much money if I just wait till December and January. Well, sometimes they're not. And Will Smith got something he's comfortable with. He's going to a great city and a great and a really good team. Yep. Yeah. They're, so their their goal now is a starting pitcher, and they're going to go right down the list. I. I, I, Zach Wheeler is going to come out. Is, this is going to be a good offseason to be him. And I don't know whether he's going to the Yankees, the Braves, the Phillies, uh, but um, he's the one that makes the most sense just because he's from there. He grew up rooting for Chipper Jones. But what you hear is that he, he loves playing in New York and that if the Yankees are interested, he's interested. Now, what about uh, – I, I did the math the other day. Or not the math. I Googled Hickory, North Carolina, which is where he lives. And he's 220 Madison miles. Madison Bumgarner. From, yeah, he's 220 miles from Atlanta. Uh, is there a fit there? <laughs> yeah, there's a fit there, but Minnesota's going to be playing big in the free agent market too. You know, they got Otto Rizzi back. They need one more guy. Uh, he's going to have a lot of choices. The Astros are interested in him. The yep. Braves. It makes perfect sense for him to go back home. Um, would he? Would he be? Would he want to play for the Twins? He's different in that with Gary Cole and Steven Strasburg and Zach Wheeler, there are really not any questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but with Madison, it's going to be, what do you think he still has left in the tank? What does he have that we can maximize? And if, if I'm Madison and the Twins want me, mm-hmm. I'm going to see what they've done to other guys to help them get better the last couple of years. And that might be a place to go. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta does make a lot of sense. And if it's true – that Zach Wheeler does want to stay in New York City, uh, then that would be the logical fit. Wheeler going to the Yankees? Yeah, well, Wheeler going to the Yankees and Madison Baumgartner going to the break. Okay. Uh, what about Strasburg? Do you think it's a fait accompli that both sides work this out? Or, or could it get so dicey uh, because the numbers get crazy? Uh, the number is going to get crazy. Yeah. And the number on Rendon and Strasburg is going to be crazy. I mean, the number on on Rendon is seven years, 250. And here's the thing. Like, what if Garrett Cole signs first? What if the Angels get this done fast? All of a sudden, the market for Strasburg is going to go insane. And the Nationals, you just have to – you have to – you just have to bite the bullet and sign these guys. All the momentum. It, it's so easy for me to spend somebody else's money. <laughs> but all the momentum and the sweet, sweet story. The whole, I mean, the whole sport was rooting for you. Mm-hmm. You were such a likable team to see, to see uh, you know, Davey and uh, Zimmerman and those guys out there. You have to, you have to keep those guys, and it's going to be so far out of your comfort level mm-hmm. uh it's going to be insane but you have something good going now and i also think i think they're going to do strasburg i think there's no question about that they're going to get that done although you know you never know because when you let a guy play the whole season yep suddenly rendon can think of himself huh wonder what it would be like to play for the dodgers wonder what it would be like to go back home to texas and play for the rangers all those things and you just don't know what a guy's thinking especially with him He's, he keeps his counsel pretty good, as do both those guys. So, uh, it's risky. I so, mean, it's. I mean, it, it, if you're if you're if you're a Nationals guy, you, you're uh, you're pretty nervous. Uh, Mike Rizzo met with Scott Boris this week, and Scott Sale had a mm-hmm. long meeting. 
And I think it's just like we're gonna we're trying to get down the road. How do we get there? They Scott has a good relationship with the learners. I mean, I, I think they both get done, but the Nationals need an answer because they can pivot to Josh Donaldson. But the Rangers are after both those guys, Rendon and John Donaldson too, Rendon and or Donaldson. So it's a it's it's a weird free agent market in that the, at the guys at the top, four, five, six, seven guys at the top are really good players. Yeah. And then after that, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, a player I'm not hearing an awful lot about is the Dodgers pitcher, Rayu. Um, yeah. Where do you think, and I read the other day on MLB Trade Rumors, he's looking for a three- or four-year contract, which seemed to me to fit nicely in the wheelhouse of the Yankees. Is he a guy that could handle New York? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think he might end up with the Padres. But the That's, Giants that would be gonna, a great fit too. Yeah, the Padres. Yeah, and but he's you know he's the National League West has big ballparks, and um, but you look at what he's done the last two years. Last uh, and the, I think he's got. I think Degrom has the last two seasons. Degrom has the best ERA, and I think Ryu has the second best ERA. Right. He's really good. And right now, it doesn't look like it looks like the Dodgers are are ready to move on from. Yep. him. he's not a guy that's going to throw a hundred miles an hour and. You have to rely on he has to pitch to spots and all that, but he's uh, his pitching attitude is off the charts. So let me ask you this: the Dodgers they haven't won a World Series since '88. They got more money than God, and I understand <laughs> that. Like you said, it's easy for us to spend other people's money, and I understand that Dave Dombrowski probably got pretty arrogant about spending John Henry's money and some of it right. ineffectively. But Friedman never really pays top dollar. Is there any chance right. that he says, look, I got a fading Kershaw. I do have Bueller, who's going to be great for a while. I'm just going to go pay Garrett Cole $40 million a year and blow everybody else out of the water. I think you're on to something. I think he wants to change the mix of players. Yeah. And if you tell me that they're going to open the season with Francisco Lindor at short, and Anthony Rendon at third, I wouldn't be surprised, and make a play for a pitcher, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's going to do something dramatic. And okay. if you're going to pay, if you're going to spend like that, you better get guys like that. In terms of Cole and Rendon, there are no questions. Yeah. Most free agents, there are, there's a yes, but. Yeah. No, there are no yes, but with those two guys. Those guys are both low maintenance and, uh, I mean, I'm telling you, Stan, I watched Garrett Cole probably every start this year. It was amazing hey. to watch him. He is he is he and Verlander are the two most prepared guys I think I've ever been around. You know, I and I, I watched uh, Pettit and Clemens for a long time. Yeah. It's uh, the, the, he could turn you around. He could give you a different look in October. Yeah. Listen, it was splitting hairs between the two of them. I frankly was surprised that Cole didn't get the um, the Cy Young Award. But when you look at the numbers, it was so close. That really looked like if there was ever a time for a tie, that that was the time for the Cy Young Award. I agree. Both. I think that and the NL MVP with Yelich and uh, Bellinger, you could have cut the trophy in half and felt good about it. Hey, let me um, let me close with one thing. We've got, I think, seven of the eight managerial openings have been taken. The Pirates, uh, because of the delay, and uh, right. they decided to change general managers. And Ben Charrington got that job. Up to this point, who's hired? Who's hired the best two or three managers? Uh, the fits 
uh, of the people you think? <sighs> well, you got, the, Phil- you got the Phillies, you got the Mets. You the, got- the Phillies hired a proven guy. Yep. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm very curious about how David Ross will work out with the Cubs. I'm yep. a big fan of his. Yep. Uh, who did the Mets hire? The Mets hired Beltran. Oh uh, yeah, he's uh, he was brought in as a mentor in Houston, and by the it was impressive. By the second half of the season, he was deferring to Springer and Altuve on things, you know, like travel, uniform decisions, all of, all of that stuff. And I think a guy like Marlon Gonzalez would point to Carlos. In fact, he has and said that guy made me what I am today in terms of ter- uh, money. That guy made me. Uh, he was that impressive a guy to be around. Uh, who who else? Uh, the White Sox. I'm a big. I mean, uh, the Royals. I'm a big Mike Matheny fan. I think the second time around, he's going to be really, really good. Uh, I, I think have, the Pirates does might he hire, have, uh, Does he have a different gear, Matheny? It just seems like he's so grim and tight-fisted right. that do his That's players true. enjoy playing for him? Well. That's what I said. Hopefully, the second time around, yeah. he'll be better. Okay. I mean, he is. I mean, he's. Yeah. He can be tough, but I'm telling you, this is a good guy. Yeah. That just, you know, you know how it is. Sometimes you get in the middle of it, and you get so wound yep. so tight. The Angels hired a Hall of Fame manager. Um, the oh, the, the Padres hired an interesting guy, Jace Tingler. <laughs> but AJ Preller has only tried to hire him about five times in different roles, and and the Rangers kept saying no, 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 and finally they said. Okay, we wanted to make him the manager. You, you couldn't stand in his way. Then that'll be a good one. That'll be a, a good one to watch. I think Gabe Kapler. I'll, I'll be interested to see what second time around. It didn't get great reviews, but I believe in Andrew Friedman and Parhan Zaidi, and they they both they I both love Kapler. Yeah, they love the guy. And if you I don't know if you ever been around, he's one of those people person. Now he's a little different. Well, there's not a little different fuel. There's not a lot of Jewish managers, so Gabe Kapler's at the top of my list. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I mean he's he's he is intense, and uh, he's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But I'm telling you, he's one of those guys. When he walks in a room, he owns the room, and he's not even trying to own it. He just he's a people person. You know, I heard Steve Phillips on uh, XM about a month ago talk, and he was really talking about the Cubs looking at Kapler because it was interesting. They did talk to him briefly, and and right. Phillips brought up the point that he goes, you know, Theo Epstein had a pretty good track record with hiring a young manager who hadn't made it in Philadelphia, and that guy was right. Terry Francona. Uh, Kapler is, is, I think, really worth the watch, uh, how he does in San Francisco. Um, right. Last question. It's funny how they it's all over the map on those guys. Yeah. You know, like Jace Tingler. I, he, he hasn't even been in uniform that much. David Ross, you know, uh, like yeah, it, he's from that mold of former catcher. So it's a fascinating, fascinating mix of people that got but hired. If you're yeah. asking me to rank them, I'm yeah. taking Joe Madden. All I'm right. taking Joe Madden against the field. All right. <laughs> uh, two guys that didn't get a job. This is the last question uh, Dusty Baker and Buck Showalter. Have we seen their last times in uniform? I would guess I was shocked the Mets didn't hire Buck Walter. Yeah. I would have hired him. I would have hired him in five seconds. You want to change the culture. You want to change the work ethic, the expectations of the players. Mm-hmm. You have a guy in there that says, no, what was acceptable yesterday is not acceptable today. Now, I know Buck can be a pain. He yeah. wants to get involved in everything. He is, to me, uh, one of the 
one of the great managers I've ever been around, and I, I would hire him. I would have. I wouldn't even have interviewed him. I'd say, just <laughs> can you can you meet us in spring training? I mean, I, I love the guy. All right, I, I, he's he's one of the How's best. That for an endorsement, he's one of the best in-game managers I've ever seen. No question about it. Uh, as you are one of the best baseball writers I've ever talked to over our long friendship. Oh, you I, hush. What's you that? Stop. Oh, well, you are. Stop. You are, and you know that. Uh, thanks very much. Give your wife my best, uh, and okay. we'll talk soon, okay? Okay. All right. R.J., Richard Justice, appreciate him. Uh, I want to talk to you right now about Glen Burnie Transmissions. They're located right in the heart of Glen Burnie for almost 60 years. If you suspect you're having a transmission problem, GBT can save you hundreds of dollars over taking it to car dealers for repair. Make an appointment for a free diagnostic and estimate. Call GBT at 855-728-1841. Their mission is simple, to provide excellent service at a reasonable price. Go to their website at gbtonline.com to check out all their five-star reviews. Let my friend... Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today at 855-728-1841. Got to tell you about the Costas Inn, and you know we're in the midst of a terrific Ravens football season. It's a special season. Well, when it comes to dining out casually and affordably, I know a place that's special every season on the calendar, and that's the Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. Not only are they known all over for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes, i got to throw in the crab soup too. They have a couple specials you want to keep in mind. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is ribs night. Wednesday night is steak night partnered with half-priced bottles of your favorite wines. And Thursday night is lobster night. So check out the Costas Inn this football season, and you may come back. Whatever the season, that's the Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Phone number to reserve your crabs, 410-477-1975. Pizza Blitz, the favorite pizza place of offensive lineman Bradley Bozeman and his wife Nikki, invites you to try all of their Italian specialties. Pizza Blitz makes their entire menu with classic Italian family recipes. The dough and everything else is made fresh every day. Pizza Blitz, located in Quarry Lake, is the perfect family stop for great pizza as well as incredible wings, subs, and salads. You can even BYOB. Pizza Blitz is located at 2622 Quarry Lake Drive, just inside the Beltway. See the full menu at PizzaBlitzQuarryLake.com. Press Box's Project Game Day is back as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Press Box's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Box's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costa Sin, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Pressbox on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. Okay, I'm getting an Italian cold cut with oil and vinegar. Turkey and Swiss with extra mayo for me. And I want a ham and cheese with everything. Before we go to the game, we go to Royal Farms. It's not football without a Royal Farms sub. At Royal Farms, it's all fresh. And delicious. In this town, you don't tailgate with a hoagie. You tailgate with a Royal Farms sub and world-famous chicken. 
Royal Farms. Real fresh, real fast, real Baltimore. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Greg Swatek dives into the 100th edition of a Baltimore tradition, the annual Turkey Bowl game between Loyola and Calvert Hall. Plus, Bo Smoka profiles Ravens linebacker Josh Bynes, who returned midway through the season after being entirely out of football and immediately helped fortify the Ravens' defense. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football-shaped container, and if it would be helpful, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half-cook it, leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three-cheese mac and cheese, cheddar, parmesan, and romano combined in this classic side, baked fresh in the restaurant. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you'd like your party catered by Chick-fil-A. 410-931-0031. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. And we are back uh, for a quick goodbye here. Um, Towson playing William and Mary today at William and Mary. Has that game started already? One o'clock. One o'clock. Okay. Uh, and then two thirty today. Navy travels to Notre Dame in a big, big game. Huge. Yeah, huge ramifications. Hey, want to remind you that tomorrow Glenn Clark will be on with Project Game Day, both at halftime of the Ravens Texans game at M and T Bank Stadium. And then after the game, he'll be on for 45 minutes to an hour, uh, fielding your questions and comments uh, at Facebook Live. So go to uh, facebook.com slash Sports both at halftime and after tomorrow's game. Don't forget, Monday at 1230, the high school football show. Thursday at 1130, as part of the Glenn Clark radio show, will be... uh, Ken Zalis with your fantasy football. A special edition of one-on-one with Stan the Fan. We're going to have the director of Maryland Sports on a Facebook Live this Tuesday at right around 1 o'clock. We'll talk to him for 15 or 20 minutes. Hey, um, and that's uh, Terry Hazeltine. By the way, we appreciate your tuning in. We appreciate your going to Facebook Live to watch us. If you have and are still watching Please like the show and share the show. I do a good job sometimes talking about it, but today, for some reason, I totally became oblivious to liking it and sharing it myself. I could kick myself, Ryan McGettigan. I wonder if Craig liked it. Shared. Craig probably didn't bother even going to Craig it. Craig never likes it. But anyway, we appreciate your tuning in. Uh, have a great sports weekend ahead, and we'll uh, catch you with the Glenn Clark Show, 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock Monday through Friday this coming week. We'll be back next Saturday, 10 to 12.